0: Well, we made it. This is episode number 50. I am so excited that we are here. When I started in Systems We Trust a year and a half ago, now I had no idea where this journey would take me, but if you've been following since the very beginning, I want to thank you so much for being here. This is something that is just ingrained in our process now at Ditto and I'm just so excited and so thankful to all of you for listening and for supporting the podcast, sharing the podcast, sending emails and sharing your appreciation for the conversations that we're having. I've had the opportunity to to meet with some incredible people and have some great conversations. And it's only getting better. What you're about to listen to is an interview with Chris L. Davis from Automation Bridge. Automation Bridge is a marketing automation platform. He's had the the privilege of working with a lot of great companies across the globe. And I was just so happy to just to put him in this spot and celebrate this this massive milestone. You're going to hear a lot about marketing automation. You're going to hear what it looks like inside of Different types of industries, what the different risks are around marketing automation, how to implement it properly. And he just shares so much. So, without further ado, please join me in listening to Chris L. Davis's uh, recording on In Systems We Trust. And thank you again as we celebrate episode number 50. Welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. This podcast is fueled by Ditto, a team that is on a mission to eliminate team burnout by implementing systems and processes that streamline your business's growth. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. I have something that I want to tell you, and I have to say this. I mean, the name of this show is In Systems We Trust. And before I launched the podcast, I was trying to come up with a name, and I had all these names that I was going through. And like I came up with the name for Ditto, I I woke up in the middle of the night, Ditto Mm -hmm. came to me. A similar thing happened for this podcast. And no one knows about this. I've never talked about this before. But I woke (laughs) up, and I'm like, all systems go. All Systems Go, that's the name of the podcast. I'm so excited. And then I like went back to sleep and I woke up the next day and I go to like register it, excited. And one quick Google search, I'm like, oh man, he beat me to it. I had no idea, but everyone listening, Chris's podcast is called All Systems Go. I was on it a few weeks ago. It's an incredible show. Go listen to it, marketing automations. But I was like, oh man, it's such a good name. Of course someone else (laughs) has it already so I just share that with you.
1: Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one.
0: Awesome. So let's get into some questions. I, I got quite a few things I want to ask you. I mean offline I, I said that I, I know a bit about your story, you know, mm-hmm. for the listeners, uh, I I share this with Chris already. He knows this. But when I was starting off in in my marketing career in my agency, I was exploring tools and how they worked. And you know, I read in the bio that Chris has worked uh, lead pages and active campaign and when I was searching, you know, for for different tools and resources on, on how to use the tool. Chris was actually the the person Can you explain what the title was? At, at Active Campaign. Uh,
1: at Active Campaign, I was the Director of Education. Director okay. of Education.
0: Great. So it, it was Chris's face that you would see if you were looking for any resources on how Active Campaign worked and you know how to get things yeah. set up. So I feel like we've had this relationship for a long time. And that's why I say I feel like I'm in the presence of royalty today. So it's great to I have you. I appreciate it, man. But, appreciate um, it. I'm, I'm so ready. Good, good, good. I, I'd love for you to fill in some blanks now. So, I mean, up until recently, I hadn't realized you were at lead pages. I mean, mm-hmm. active campaign only pages, those are both products that I used, you know, for, for quite a long time. And so what's your story? Kind of bring us up to speed, you know, really want to understand what brought you to this point where you're in the corporate space, you're in these, you know, really well known companies. But then now you're at you're, you're at Automation Bridge, you're the founder there. Fill in the blanks, let us know what brought you to the place you're at today. Yeah, and and I'm going to do it contextual to
1: systems. And my story is that of I didn't realize who I was. And I think that can resonate with most people, right? You go through life, your parents tell you to do something, your friends tell you to do something. You've got experiences of your own that kind of inform how you go. So for me, art is my first love. And I thought I was going to be an artist and just making all of this amazing money, comic books and cartoons, you know, and everything. And my my father was the one who was like, well, you're good at math. You need to go into engineering. That's a whole nother story. So I go into engineering and, and the systematic part is this. When I was in school for engineering, I, I couldn't just go to class and have a notebook like everybody else. I tried, Marquis, I promise you, I tried. I tried to go and take notes like everybody and it just lacked the organization. So at that time and this, I'm foreshadowing, right? I didn't know it at the time, but I said, why don't I get a three ring binder? I'll grab loose leaf notebook paper and put it in the back and then I'll have dividers for every class. Then I'll put the syllabus for each class and all of the materials that they hand out under each divider And now instead of sitting down, because, you know, those desks are tiny, it's enough for your arm and one sheet of paper, anything else. And you're like trying to manage it all, which most people were and they had beat up notebooks. I would then go take out one sheet of the loose leaf paper in the back, close my binder and then write on the binder. One, it may it may gave me efficient use of my space. And then the only papers left at the end of the year were papers used and I could take out the rest in the back and use it next year. Well, that that's a system. <laughs> right. Like, Mark, I did not know at the time. I was just trying to operate more efficiently. And I've always been that way. So when I look at everything that I've done, I've always looked for a systematic approach to get things done. High on efficiency high on effectiveness so there were there was a foreshadowing of it when i was in college and i of course as you learn more and i learned code and brought that into code and now i'm doing object oriented coding making sure my my naming conventions and everything is easy to follow and you know all all of the techie stuff and i i worked at lockheed martin as a firmware engineer and this was the time everyone where firmware was still new like you this is back when you had to plug up i had a, a Palm Trio 750. And if I wanted to update it, I had to plug that proprietary plug into my computer and download stuff. So stuff wasn't happening over the air. But the technology that I was working on was called firmware. And you can update the technology over the air. So this was the first time that I had experienced over the air firmware updates, but they were for military applications. And soon enough, PlayStation, Xboxes, cell phones, and now it's just standard, right? Hook up to Wi-Fi and you download. So those were the type of applications I worked on. I loved it for the first two years, hated it for the last five. And I won't belabor that experience, but I I got exposed to a new world. When I was working there from an attorney friend, she gave me the book, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. And it was like contradictory of everything that I knew. It's like, how could you work four hours in a week? Like, I'm trying to figure out how to work more than 40 to make more money. You're telling me to go the opposite way, like work less, make more. But what the book did was it just exposed me to there's this world of technology that if you use it the right way, it can do some of the work for you. That's what was my main takeaway at the time. I was not technologically proficient. I didn't know like all the apps out there, but that started my journey. That was the light bulb, man. And so by the time I end up losing my job at Lockheed Martin, I'm ready to dive all the way in. I'm like, look, technology is the way. Websites are moneymakers. I'm your website builder only to find out it's not the website. It's what's behind the website, (laughs) the system, right, that generates the money. So tens of thousands of dollars later, I'm an engineer, Marquis, so I've got disposable income. I'm buying Jeff Walker's product launch formula for $2,000. i will take a Brendan Burchard course for another 2000 Oh, you? You look like you know what you're doing. I'll take your course for another 2000 <laughs> Like 2000 became the new $20 bill for me. But in it, I'm, I, I am glad that I did it because I learned so much about the online space and how online marketing works and really found my fit. When I found my mentor, so my mentor's name is Jermaine Griggs. And he's the one that exposed me to the world of automation. I had been tangential to it. I, I guess I was hovering around it with websites and email marketing with AWeber and things like that. But I hadn't really cracked the code that I could take the systematic approach and use it inside of businesses on the, on the back end. So once I got a hold of him, followed him forever until I saved up enough money to join his mentorship program, jumped in his mentorship program, and that changed the game for me. All the while that I'm doing this, I'm working at Lead Pages. I'm working at Active Campaign. And the transition from corporate world to Active Campaign was that I just went broke, man. I was trying to build websites for a living. And I've got three kids, by the way, Marky. So right. the average $500, $800 website, maybe even $2,000 website back then, once a month, that's yeah. not, <laughs> not going to pay not, the bills. Yeah, it's not going to do it. So I was looking for a way out and I ran into Clay Collins, the the founder in Minnesota. I was at Minnesota at the time. He needed somebody to man the technology. I needed somebody to give me an opportunity to man the technology. And it Mm -hmm. it was it was beautiful, man. I I went into that thing and I had no idea what I was about to do. So when people hear the collective one hundred and fifty seven, it's up to two hundred and fifty seven now million raised. That was not intention. I would love to be on here and say, I saw the vision. I knew it. I kind of stumbled upon it. And and it just so happens, I'm really good at marketing. Once I understood, it's all about connecting with people, understanding their needs and building relationship. So you, you take that natural ability that I have just with people, couple it with technical acumen. and It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I can do this marketing technology thing. What's it called? Oh, marketing automation. So that's the the overview we can double click in in and get details in any main area but i did not in any way know the startup space existed i thought i was going to be a, a engineer until a in, in a vp at one day with an office with a window looking down on people and
0: you know life just has a has its way of surprising us yeah no kidding wow thanks for thanks for sharing that and filling in i had no idea that there were all those different intricacies and and back and forth and so obviously lots to unpack there, but I'm, I'm curious. So you're building these websites and, you know, it wasn't working out and you, you went to, you know, back to the, what was the active campaign you went to then and you found that position. Well, at that time it
1: was, so I had from Lockheed Martin to starting at lead pages was a two year gap. That okay. was, that okay. was my first go at entrepreneurship. And I am proud. Okay. I am proud yeah. to admit such failure. Okay. <laughs> like I needed that. I needed that kick in the butt. You can't just sit around playing online all day when you got mouths to feed. That's what I learned. It was just like, maybe somebody else can. If you're living in your parents' basement, you can do that. But me, I had to, pr- you know, I had to produce results. And here's the thing, Marquis, is that it forced me to find the problem. It forced mm-hmm. me to find the product market fit. My, my willingness to build a website did not fit the market need at the level that i needed in return so though i could do the skill i i couldn't penetrate the market just from where i was deep enough somebody else may be but not me so when i started to shift to email marketing then i got into marketing automation the world opened up now i don't have that friction and in business sometimes we have to be willing to make
0: that shift but i had to acknowledge that it wasn't working yeah man. Good for you for having the courage to like give it another shot. Like, but before I, I really dive in and, and get to the, to the behind the scenes stuff, mm-hmm. when did automation bridge like start to, you know, become a thing? When, when did that come about? You know, you're oh, in you're still in the corporate space, someone else is paying your bills, or <laughs> providing an opportunity for you to pay your bills. And now you're like, you know what? I don't know what your story looked like at that point where you're at in life, but you know, every entrepreneur has that moment where there's that light bulb and you're just like, this is the moment that my life shifts into something yeah. else. What, would that, what was that for you? And hey, how did Automation man. Bridge come about?
1: Such a wonderful question, Marquis. Because like, like many people, I started out and when I learned about how websites work, I was like, I should build my own website. I should do this. What do I name it? So I plethora of names. I, I had autobizchris.com, automatedbusinessformula.com. I will teach you to automate your business. I had a variety of them, right? But I ended up landing on chriseldavis.com because I was just like, I was, I couldn't wake up and be satisfied with any other name. You know, I I had one called Always on Revenue. (laughs) And that one almost made it. I had a logo with a power button and the CLD was in anyway. So what happened is I was operating under Chris L. Davis and it was more so like a personal blog. I'm a a man of faith. So I was writing blog posts about how the Bible intersects with wealth in the world and how you can operate with integrity and not essentially give out, give away your beliefs to make money. Like that's how it started. Right. So I had a newsletter where it was just like weekly tips on how to make money and keep your integrity. And I had 26 mm. people on it. And most of them went to my church or were in my family. Okay, <laughs> right. Yeah. But whatever, man, I got subscribers. You had a 100% though, I'm sure. 100% man. Every now and then, you know, when they're like, oh, I was on vacation or something. So I, I came out the gate treating those 26, 23, 26 leads like 26,000, right? So I didn't have any experience with the big database, but I was learning. I was going through the, the, the muscle work of creating blog posts, emailing, coming up with content, all of that. So Chris L. Davis was that. It wasn't until I started to really get serious about like web development work and trying to grow my business. And I'm the type of person, I don't mind asking for help. So I'll reach out to somebody. I'm a I'm the, one of the best online lurkers ever. I mm-hmm. I will go search for somebody in a minute. If somebody opts into my list and, and they have a at their name of the business I'm going to that website right. Like I'm all over the place because I'm just I'm just curious about people. So I found a branding company. This was my thought, Marquis. So you'll see some of you all will see my strategy. My thing is if I can't get directly to the market. Let me connect with somebody who's got direct access to the market and provide yeah. a service to them to help them go right. to the market. So I look for a web development agency or a branding agency. It's like, hey, look, I can add this service of automation to your business. Hey, you know, let's do it. So I'm gonna give give her a credit. Her name is Rachel Gogos, and I end up meeting her in person at Active. It was crazy, full circle story. But anyways, I was working with her as someone like. A freelancer, white label freelancer on her team, and she was like, "Chris, what's the name of your business?" And I didn't have a name. Marky I was like, "I don't know, I just can't figure it out." And my mentor that I was following from afar, Jermaine Gris had Automation Clinic. And I'm just like, "He's got the mm. best name ever. I can't take it. It's already used. I don't know what I'm going to do." She was like, "Well, she had saw some of the integration work that I did, tying tools together. She was like, "What about Automation Bridge?" I was like, is that available? I do a search. It's available, Marquis. I buy it right there on the spot. And that was it. That was the genesis of it. It was just me being willing to reach out to somebody and them experience what I do. And Mm -hmm. they gave me the name for it. So...
0: Hey everyone, it's me, Markey. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you a bit more about Ditto. If you've been listening to In Systems We Trust for a while, you've heard firsthand accounts of how systems and workflows change the landscape of work for businesses and leaders across the globe. Ever felt like there just aren't enough hours in the day? Is your startup starting to grow and scale and you're wondering how your systems will scale with it? Maybe you're part of a widespread, multi-level corporation that needs to update and overhaul its standard operating procedures. Well, if you can relate, Ditto can help eliminate team burnout, keep your best talent, and have a clear system in place to help you and your business achieve your goals. Visit thinkditto.com to learn more. I love that story. I love <laughs> hearing the origins and how things come together. Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's keep going then. So, don't want to put you on the spot with this question, but I was listening mm-hmm. to one of your recent podcasts and you were talking about hiring true expertise. You, you said something along the lines of true experts describe what they do in a few words while other while while those that claim to be experts would would ramble on for you know a few minutes so as we're getting into like what you do now and where you're at can you just quickly define for the audience what marketing automation is through your lens and and how you help and apply you know this methodology or this method of thinking to the, the the companies and the customers that you that you work with Absolutely. Absolutely. Marketing automation
1: is the process of hiring technology to execute your marketing processes for you. Everybody uh, don't, if, if you ever thought, what is it? What, what can I do with it? You're hiring technology to execute an existing or to be defined marketing strategy. That's marketing automation. And it's a subset of digital marketing. So most people, most digital marketers actually don't want to or have the desire to go a level deeper and think as critically as required to do marketing automation so mm-hmm. which is fine i just like to have that differentiation so once you know that under, once you understand that that definition of the process of employing technology to execute your, your marketing strategy we then go into say well what is a marketing strategy well it's the processes that you use with intention to produce a result Right. So now I'm using technology to help me with the marketing processes that produce a result. And that in itself is the most layman term way that I can explain what marketing automation and, and what I do is. So I'll do it in a consultative form where I come in and say okay let me look at your marketing and let me find out where are the bottlenecks and see what so, what technology can fill that in right but I also train digital marketers how to think critically like that and one of the th- one of the terms that I came up with is called tech mating right and it's okay. mating it's the mating process of technology with your strategy and it seems like oh yeah that's easy we want to collect leads online no 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 talk about how are that's you that's what collecting?
0: i was going to ask you
1: yeah <laughs> right what yeah. channel is it organic are you posting on linkedin that's a total different beast total different technology attribution source attribution all of that so when you really get when we were talking about experts the novice hears oh generate leads online landing page and ads That's what the novice does, right? The expert is like, well, there's a lot of considerations depending on if you're going paid and organic. What's your existing list size? What's your reach? What's your engagement? What technology are you using on your website right now? Because certain website technology prohibits you from doing some of the things that a marketer truly needs to do. Different set of considerations, right? Right. So I, I love to teach marketers how to think at that level of criticality as well as apply it because the benefit is you don't have to know this stuff now. You have somebody that knows it for you and
0: can just cover your blind spots. That's really what it is. That's perfect. And spoken like a true expert. And so. (laughs) You passed the test. like Yeah, <laughs> w- what I was going to ask is, yeah, good job. W- what I was going to ask is, you know, like, what are the typical problems? Because any agency, any, yes. you know, marketing agency or web dev, like, you, they're they're reaching out to a service provider, looking for an expert. And what do they want? They want more leads, they want more customers. But like you said, the novice will put up a landing page, run those ads. You're coming in and looking behind the scenes. So h- how do yes. you apply, you know, oh. your methods to these companies? And what does your oh, process wait. look like? to get to the core because I know that business owners are impatient, right? They don't want to hear all that. They just want to know that you can get them leads. And if you can't say that on a connect call, then you're not getting the job. So what does your approach look like?
1: Yeah. And I want to share this because even as an expert and an acknowledged expert, like I, I will have people come to me and say, Hey, look, we're coming to you because you're the only one that can figure this out. It doesn't absolve me from the need of providing a quick win. Mm -hmm. Very rarely, Marky, very rarely will a company say, hey, look, we've got six months to spend on just planning and figuring stuff out. If we can be profitable by month seven or eighth, we're good. I just don't have those type of clients. Usually they're startups that have raised funding and they need a return like yesterday. Right. So I'm always on the clock, man, always on the clock. So my approach is, is as such. The first thing that I need to do is understand your process right? What, and I've got in my podcast, I I think it's the, it's called the significant six, but I extract at least six questions that I ask every business and, and how they answer that question shows me if, if any, wherever there's a hole in their process, that's step one. Step two is now that I know process, I need to know your people, Mm -hmm. right? Cause people are going to tell me Just I'm looking for the level of acumen existing in your company. So if you're like, oh, and we've got two freelancers, one is a graphic designer and another one is a social media person. Well, I now know you have no marketing muscle. You have Mm -hmm. no knowledge, no skill set internally to execute on any marketing. Thus, I have to assume the process that you just gave me is probably broken. Mm -hmm. So just understanding those two Marky. Puts me in a position where I can identify where the quick win is. And most of the time, the quick win is on the lead gen side when they're collecting information. They don't know how to store it in their CRM if they have a CRM system accurately to follow up immediately. Right. Or it's on the sale side where when it's time to make make the sale, they can't identify when that time is. And they can't properly get the sale and the information required to fulfill effectively. Those are huge. Marquis, those are huge, man. But in between, they've learned how to post graphics and and they know how to send an email to the entire, all the small things. It's like, but if you can't follow up with the leads and then close, none of it, (laughs) none of it matters. And I would love to say that the problems change the bigger the company. They don't. They just have more money to go bleeding out further. Right. So gr- gr- Grotesque example. But it's like I think of it and I always I'm, I often think of marketing in like in a war field on a, on a battlefield. And it's one person has no, no, no heavy, he- heavy equipment on and they get stabbed. So it does go through their equipment, but it just stabs them a little bit. Well, okay. they can go a lot farther bleeding out. Than the person with nothing, just a t-shirt and you get that you're going to make it about maybe a mile. And then it's like, oh, I need to be replenished. And that's how it is because marketing is the blood of the business. Mm -hmm. And some companies just have that big blood bank. They can go further bleeding out. These smaller, you can't, if you're under five, 10 million, you're not going to be able to do that. You know? So I'm always... I'm always aware of that. And I know that I need to pay for myself. So I go in, I look at the process, look at the people, match the holes. I'm always looking at, you know, technology. And, and one, one last thing. So understanding process and people also helps me determine what type of technology to, okay. to assess. I, I have a stack. I have my preferred stack. But if there's a company that their processes are working and they're using like MailChimp or something like that, I am opposed to MailChimp in a variety of ways. I won't get into it on this podcast. I hate I hate using it for marketing automation results. However, Marquis, I can do it for the sake of keeping existing processes in place. Because I know you don't have the marketing muscle to truly implement the technology that I would prefer you have. So yeah. that's, I, I've got to bend a little bit, you know, even as an expert, I do bend. Some experts don't. They're like, hey, look, we're using this, this and that you got the team. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that's that's right. not me. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, really interesting that you that you talk about, you know, process and people and, you know, having to be be at a certain place and have the systems in place because any of these marketing teams, they can have a rockstar sales team. They can do all the great things, you know, they can have a CEO that's out front, they're the visionary, but if you don't have the 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 marketing systems and like in this case the automation, that maybe needed at certain times to really make yep. sense of it all, it all falls apart. Yes. Right. Man. And yes. you know, to go back to your earlier point about the 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 process and the people, it's just, it's funny you say that because I was on a, a sales call yesterday and I met with with a company and you know, they have they are a web dev shop. And they are looking to improve their, their processes over the next you know several months. And they said, we have this offering, this offering, this offering, this offering, this offering, this offering. And it was like a spider web of different offerings. And they admitted, mm-hmm. we do everything. We don't ever want to say no to a customer because we want to keep it broad. And we'll just say yes. And we'll just figure it out as we go. And so they're going on and they're telling me about what they want to improve. And I, and I look at it and they say, so Marquis, like, well, what's your honest gut feeling about all this? And I looked at them and I said, "I think it's too early for us to work together, right?" Mm. And like that, that's that's the difference, right? Like between like it. you said, the novice and the expert. Because I, I could have said, "Yeah, let's do it." I have got I've got the answer, I've got the solution. But really, if that foundation isn't set, and if they don't have an understanding, an idea of where the business is going, because we yeah. we understood from this call as well that there was no vision right? Their, their, their way that they wanted to improve their processes was removing some of their services. And, and I straight out asked them, I said, why are you delivering all these things to these different people? It's causing problems in your business. You know, that it's time to let go of some services. It's time to let go of some clients and it's time to start saying no. Right. And, you know, I had Mm. to say to them, like, we, we, we look at process, we look at how it's working right now. And then this is the part that, you know, I, I resonate with you on is, I want to talk to your people as well. I, I'm going I'm to talk to you, the leadership, but I want to hear what your team is experiencing, what they would say yeah. the big pain points are in the business, what the opportunities are so to good. improve. And it was just so like, just eye opening. And we walked away and we said, hey, I can help, but it might be too early for ditto. This is what you got to do first and foremost. Do, do you see that a lot? in the customers that you work with, like oh, it's man. not a good fit and you can then direct them and say, hey, we'll, we'll come back to this later on. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the reasons
1: why I, so I started training digital marketers to scratch my own itch. I was a digital marketer who learned automation and I didn't have anybody to like help. Hey, can you over, look over this automation that I built? Make sure nothing's going to break, right? So it started off as that. But then as the market started, as I started to understand the market's needs, that's why I created a certification for that very reason, Marquis. Now when companies come to me and I'm just like, you know what, even though I could, you're not even financially in a place where you you could afford me. However, you can get quality acumen that I swear by with one of my certified, you know, automation service providers. So absolutely, I think that what you're, what I want to applaud you for is the power or the willingness to say no. Right. I say this all the time. I don't like, and I teach my children this. I don't want you to run from something. I want you to run to something, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we as people often say, don't go broke or don't do this. Don't do that. Those are bad motivators. It requires fear to be present for that drive to kick in. Instead, what is the target? Say yes to the target and then let no protect your pursuit. Right. Yeah. So my target is a better company. I want to I want to produce these results for startups. I want to do this for for marketers. Right. That enables me, Marquis, to say no to something that's going to detract me from that or to somebody that's not going to be able to allow me to achieve what I really want to. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's the missing part when we talk about no, cause no is hard for a lot of people. For me, it's a lot easier once I've identified my yes, what am I going towards? Because my no is my, is the protection of my pursuit, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and I can give the stiff arm in love and, and be okay. <laughs> like, sorry, yeah. no, you guys aren't good for me. So
0: yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I, I said it on a podcast recently that if, if any incoming opportunity, or anything that anyone's asked me to work on, if it's not aligned with my vision, I'm no longer interested. Right? Like, it, like it's got to be a no, so you can make space for the things that really matter. Yes, um, man. So I, I want to understand. So you, you, you're obviously you've created this certification program. You have people that you're training, and obviously there's systems. Around that, so you, you can you can probably talk a bit about the the, the training that you provide in this. But I want to understand as you're getting people prepared to go out and and do this work, and you know, obviously, these systems started with you. Mm-hmm. Based on your experience, were there any like specific workflows or automations that you would say are foundational to yes. any? any of these companies, whether they be agencies or, you know, are they industry agnostic? I'd love to understand where we're starting and what those like boilerplate processes and workflows are that we're implementing. Absolutely. I, I have a
1: list of 10 of them. Actually, I call them my, my okay. 10. These are, no, I've got 10 automation commandments. And then I've got, what are the so foundational automations?
0: Any yeah. businesses, any industry
1: as well. <laughs> right. Yep. I got a lot of five, 10s and sevens, but, but for the most part, it boils down to this, and this is this is updated information. This is not you know like stuff that I've been talking about for forever. Sure. What I'm finding is this, Marquis, is that I I do have the framework, and in a nutshell, the framework is capture your leads right, and make sure you get enough information at the point of capture to make the follow up specific to what they asked for. Right. So it could be something as simple. Most people name an email. Well, what I like to say is put a qualifying question on there. Hey, are you an agency? Are you a solopreneur? Are you an e-commerce? Right. Something that can give you additional information to inform your follow up. Right. That's that's number one. If we want to add a bonus to number one, I would love I would love to get some source attribution so you know where your leads are coming from. Right. So that's that's step one. Step two is, of course, follow up. I just, you know, it was almost 10 years ago now, Marquis, where before technology is what it was and network marketing, insurance agents, used car salesmen, whoever was selling something, they always followed up, always. And they would say the, for- the fortune is in the follow up. The future of your business exists in your ability to follow up. I heard it back then and you would think we would be here today saying yeah. businesses get it and they don't. <laughs> we have all these tools and technology and they simply do not follow up with every single lead. And my rule is that you should be able to follow up with a hundred percent of your leads, a hundred percent of the time. There's no reason not. Marquis just explain to me how I can create a contact form. I can create a way for somebody to give me information and then have no plan to follow up. I Right. It baffles my head, man. It, it really does. So you need, we're talking about foundational automations, everybody. So you need, and, and let me back up. When I think of automation in the past, I would think about automation in terms of my CRM system, right? Or my mm-hmm. email marketing system. Yeah. But automation exists almost everywhere now. I can go on Asana and have automated workflows. I can go on Airtable, have automated workflows, like native to those platforms, right? I can go into a lot of platforms and there's now local automation and global automation, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it changes. If we're talking about local automation which with the CRM, you have to have your follow-up series in place. T- two to three emails I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about a lot, 5, 10, 20, right? Two to three right. emails based on what someone does. So on the capture side, you've got to have web form te- you have to have web form technology that allows you to do exactly what I said. Sometimes your native CRM form doesn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. And some of you need more information up front. You need conditional fields. If somebody says yes to something, you don't want to ask them those other questions. This, as you see, capturing leads, just we just double clicked in there, right? And started yeah. to unveil these considerations. This is where we're at though, Marquis. When we talk about automations, We're at a point where what appears to be basic to most, the experts understand the considerations and do it better. So once Mm -hmm. I have that form that can capture information, give me source attribution, get the the required information, I can then follow up accordingly. Now, I often I like to use the, the the traffic light rule. Green is hurry up and get to the bank. I get to the wallet. Yellow is OK. I may need to nurture you a little bit. And red is just not a good fit. I need to know what color you are out the gate, man, out the gate. Because watch this, Marquis. If you're green and my form will tell me because I'm collecting yeah. the right information. The next page you see is going to be the opportunity to go to wherever I need you to get to. <laughs> you right. get what I'm, I'm not wasting the thank you page. saying Thank you. We'll be in touch. No, I'm in touch right now. Cause you're green. (laughs) So take this next step, you know? So that that's a critical part of my framework. It it falls under a bit of progressive profiling, but lead qualification to enable you to follow up. And lastly, I'll say this, we're, we're not even to the money yet, Marky. We're not even to the money yet because they just can't get there. The next is understanding the messaging that you're sending immediately and ongoing. I, hmm. I can't tell you, I cannot tell you <laughs> the companies that may have the immediate, but they lack the ongoing strategy or they have ongoing, but lack the immediate it's, it's, it baffles me. I've worked with startups upwards to over 200 million in revenue and, and I'm talking my annual over a hundred employees, like in over 20 years in business and you get into their database the way that they capture and the way that they're sending messaging, it's all warped. They can't wow. figure it out. They're like, we're 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 getting leads, but we're losing leads. What's wrong? Our spam score is not hard. Is not bad. It's just that they, their their messaging is inconsistent. So, long answer to these like, are two problems, ahead.
0: bigger scale. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Same problems, yeah. bigger scale. But these are two pieces of the framework that i use is to make sure that we understand what information we're capturing how we're storing it and then having a a follow-up beyond the immediate and to ongoing to ensure that all boxes are checked that's all the preparation for closing and it looks different with b2c and b2b but for the most part those steps that methodology doesn't change man doesn't change
0: One thing that all Asana users from beginners to expert have in common is that it doesn't seem to matter how long you've been using Asana for. We all realize that there are aspects of Asana we just don't get. Maybe you're new to Asana and know nothing about it. Welcome. Or maybe you're a long-time user but haven't explored the powerful features that Asana has to offer. Well, this is also for you. We've created what we're calling Asana Mastery, ASM for short. An exclusive membership to help you get the most out of your Asana investment. We want to help take your Asana expertise to the next level by demonstrating how the powerful set of features in Asana can be used to standardize and automate your projects and tasks. Visit asanamasterycourse.com and click register to get started today. Class starts soon. We can't wait to see you inside. So much to unpack there. I I love it. Section on follow-up i mean like even our website like we have two you know calls to action it's either book a call right now and they're just getting on the calendar and then we have workflows that you know notify our sales team internally to take certain actions to qualify and gather information and then we have our contact form which is just you know tell us how we can help but I, i feel like i need i have some updates to make on that just based on what you said i mean to have those qualifying questions i'm curious what your your green light looks like? Is it a series of questions or is it like one typical thing? Is it based on revenue? Is it based on team yeah. size? Is, mm. is it a mix of a few things? I love, Oh, Marquis,
1: you, you're asking all the right questions, man. This is <laughs> stuff right. that just gets me going as a marketer. If you're listening to this and you're a marketer, I guarantee you're like, Oh, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Let me hear what he has to say. Cause I will be like that. <laughs> if I was listening to somebody like this. Oh, so green to me has evolved, man. In the beginning, Green was more so like static questions that I could look at and say, okay, X, Y, Z. And there's still a place for that. A lot of my B2B clients that I work with, I'll use a scoring uh, a scoring mechanism, right? And depending on what they answer on the back end, I've got it mapped out to what's green, yellow, and red, and I'm applying scores. Oh, and then I just get it. a score, right? Like, and if they're over a seven or a 70 or whatnot, I know it's a certain color. But that's when I don't have a lot of time marquee, right? That's if I need something, you know, up quick, I'll sit, talk to the founder, as you mentioned, talk to the people on the team, understand the pain points, understand the customer, understand the information that they need to capture, deploy a scoring system that gets me there. that will get me like 70% accurate, man, 80% a lot of times out the gate. And then the minor adjustments, I can get all the way up to 90% within 30 days. But for me, for me, which most people, this is where you're going to end up. I realize that my green light starts with my copy. Right. It starts with the call out on my website saying, hey, digital marketer, because before that marquee, I used to have them select. Are you a marketer? Are you a CEO? I I don't I just when you're on this, this website, it's only for digital marketers. It's okay for you CEOs to go somewhere else, for you founders to go somewhere else. So Mm. that's where my green light starts, because you're not going to submit any information on my website if you're not in that category. Right, right. So now I'm getting digital marketers submitting information.
0: But Chris, aren't are you turning yep. away business then? <laughs> right, aren't it's you? What, keep going, keep going.
1: Right. What yeah. about all of these leads that got have money? The founders have all the money. Yes, mm-hmm. they do have money, and so do marketers. So, right. Yeah. So I got to say no because I'm saying yes to marketers, and my no to them is protecting my pursuit of the marketer. Right. So now the marketer comes in. I don't know if they're green unless for me for me do you have experience with marketing I need to identify that because if you're just getting started I'm at marketing automation you probably need digital marketing 101 yeah. <laughs> this yeah. this is not gonna work right but guess what listen to the podcast it'll be a good source for you ongoing as you learn and then maybe you'll come back in and, and we'll see so if you're not a beginner and you know digital marketing, the next is tricky. The next is tricky. And I'm kind of giving, giving, spilling the tea here. The next is tricky because I've learned not to ask about budget as much. One, people lie. I, budget is like the most subjective word in business. They're like, well, I had a budget yesterday for this, but today it's that. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? So what I end up doing is I ask the question. This is a great question, by the way. Do you have access to capital? Right. Okay. That's all I want to know. I don't want to know how much because what I've learned is this. Another definition of budget is this is the amount of money that I set in my mind that I was going to set aside for this endeavor before I mm. talked to you and fully understood the transformation and value you could provide. You know. know what that number <laughs> is every time. Yeah. Right. Right. But once I talk to you, okay, I, I said 5,000, but okay, I think I can do 10. Right. It happens to me, Marquis, when I tell my wife, look, they're coming in this house. I'm not spending over five thousand for these lights. And then they say, "But Chris, you can re- you can control it from your phone. Had you had yeah. you ever thought about turning the lights off and you forget about it? Then I'm like, okay. I said five thousand. I-, I could do seventy five, right? Yeah. I could do 75000 then you walk out the door and it's like eleven thousand. It's like what just happened? I didn't know the value, so I set the but my budget. The initial budget is always relative to the perceived value going in. Right, and it's our job as marketers and sales folks to 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 add value. So 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 anyway, back back to the the what I was saying. So now, if you have access to capital and you understand digital marketing, I used to ask, "Are you starting a business? Are you this many years in business?" It doesn't matter. What I'm looking for, Marquis, is urgency. See, Mm -hmm. I deal with techie folks and real nerdy folks. They're the slowest decision makers ever because they're always tinkering around. They always think that they can figure it out on their own. So I need to know how urgent this is for you. Have you played around and failed? Do you have some, some band-aids right yeah. from your efforts? If you're clean, never, never had a boo-boo. Yeah. Ah, I can't, I promise you, I can help you, but you can't perceive the value as it is because you haven't experienced the pain enough. So I'm um, looking <laughs> right (laughs) looking for that prevalent pain and pain looks different for every company. For me, it's, I tried this, I invested in that and I just can't seem to figure this out. And it takes them time to hit their heads. Some people have less of a pain tolerance. They're like, I hit my head one time help. And I'm like, you're ready. Come, come. So for me, those are some, those are some of the considerations for green lights. I do ask some, you know, like basic, like, okay, I like to ask, would you rather questions because people are a little bit less guarded on that one. When you tend to ask like straight questions, people try to get the right answer. I don't want the right answer. I want the honest answer. And and real quick, last thing, Marquis, talking about automation here. What I've had to do in my business is that people will take my quiz and assessments multiple times. And they'll keep taking it to try to game the system, man, and get to the right outcome. Let me help. (laughs) Reconversion, reconversion, reconversion. And I'm like, part of me is like, is there a way for me to hide the form once they submitted it once? And I'm like, you know what? It's not that deep. What I really want to do is this. Their first response is always their most honest. Second, Mm. third and fourth, you're lying, trying to game the system. So I have (laughs) automation set up now where I protect the first response. And that's the only response that gets stored. So I log good. all other responses because if we ever get on a call, I want to see, oh, you filled it out four times and you changed from this, this to that. Which one is true? They get a kick out of it. They laugh. And it's like, since I'm the automation person, I should be doing that, right? But right. I say that to say, I like to capture people's first response in 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 essence, because that gives me their most honest, their, their, that's their most honest
0: response. And
1: it allows me to assess their light more accurately. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's so good, man. This is such a fun conversation. Chris, I want to be respectful of your time. Do you have a hard yeah. stop in a few minutes at the top of the no, hour? No, I don't, man. I don't. I, I, re- I had some buffer for, just for you. I know how we get, okay. so. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. I have so many more questions. I'm going to ask maybe two more questions and then I want to yeah. talk tech stack here. Okay. But just, you know, as we're, as we're talking about value and perceived value and understanding, like I love that you said that because one of the questions I ask is, you know, what, what have you tried? What's working right now and what's not working? I love that analogy about like, if they don't have any boo-boos, then, then they can't work <laughs> with you. It's, it's too soon because we've talked about automation and how companies kind of jump the gun, right? They, they yeah. just jump to a tool or to an expert and they think that the automation is just going to fix things, but they haven't taken the time to go through the process and try and work things out and understand where the pitfalls are. So I love that you said that, but my question is, and on this podcast, we have agency owners listening. We have directors, VPs, okay. project managers, ops, ops leads. The, the, that's the audience we're speaking to today. And so I'd love to understand, and if we can share, you know, what are some of the metrics and, and KPIs that you use when working with your customers to measure the impact on automation? We understand that if if you're working with them, they understand your value, right? Yep. But in, in many cases, the the people that we're working with, they have to report back to their managers, to their directors to yep. say what the, what the return on this investment has looked like. And so when it comes to these metrics, are there a few that you can name around those foundational things that you discussed? And then mm-hmm. what does the timeline usually look like that we can expect you know to see some of these results come to light? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it differs with B2C and B2B, so I, I'll talk about both. Sure. But you have your
1: glo- what I call your global KPIs that everybody should be measuring, right? Like if if you're B2C, you're looking for your your visitors on the website, how many of those visitors are turning into leads? Then how many of those leads are turning into customers? I'm thinking of more of a SaaS
0: business, right?
1: Where they're, you know, opt in. Now, if you have a trial, that's a little easier for me because I start with trial conversion to customer because that's the most important one for, for a SaaS company, right? And mm-hmm. most SaaS companies, I have to ask, why don't you let people go directly to what if they don't want the trial in their soul? Like, where what's that path? And most of them are yeah. like, oh, I didn't think, <laughs> right? But it's like you're extending the sales cycle. On the B2B side, it's a little different because you have you have marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads as more of a differentiator. Right, and you usually have a sales team and a marketing team that that should be operating in sync, but usually have different KPIs. So, like for the marketing team for for B two B, is how many marketing qualified leads am I generating? Not leads. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily care as much my KPI because remember my my KPIs for everything that I do has to tie to the bottom line. Leads yeah. are great. I promise you, they're great. MQLs yeah. are even better. Right. Right. Because now with MQL, watch this marquee, I can, I can track the time that it takes for an MQL to become an SQL. And, and by right. the way, I'm talking about marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads. So Thanks. if I'm tracking that time, now this is often the KPI that's missed. So I'm not talking about global KPIs now. These are, as you mentioned, how do I measure the impact of, of automation? Right. So now mm. I'm looking at that time, that life cycle. Of MQL to SQL. If before me it was two months, can I get it down to two weeks? There's mm-hmm. a story there if I had if I can, right? Now, yeah. when they become SQL, how are we handling that handoff? There's always information that sales folks need that marketing misses. Always, yeah. man. Is it's, yeah. it's almost like, well, job done, close the lead. I'm talking B2B here. Job done, close the lead. And they're just like, What was their website again? What was that conversation that you had, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of it for automation is I'm tracking the conversation, centralizing everything. So when that lead is passed to the sales, because that passing is saying, hey, look, here's the baton. They're at SQL now. They need to be able to close. What's my next KPI? Time to close, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. How long is it taking to close these deals? B2B, those two KPIs essentially are everything. Yes, we could talk about, oh, Chris, we're generating more leads. But Marquis, when I come out the gate with KPIs, B2B, it's MQL to SQL. And and, and bonus, watch this, watch this, Marquis, bonus, if I can go straight to SQL, wh- yeah. why even start at MQL? What if I can generate straight SQLs? That's the KPI. These are things, so I I, I, I didn't say it, but it's I'm taking a baseline. A baseline yeah. metrics of all of this, right? Get my baseline because the true story of automation is the lift. That's it. If there's no lift, who cares what you can do? Who cares yeah. that you got these tags and automated emails going out? Nobody cares. But if I'm, if you're seeing MQLs come in and they're turning into SQLs quickly, and then you're like, wait a minute, we got people going straight to the sales call, right? Like, these are like more do more. And, and now the founder is like, whatever that guy is doing, you can get rid of any anybody, just not him. Right. So right. those are simplified KPIs. Again, on the on the B2C side, usually SaaS companies that I'm working with have some kind of free trial. I'm always focusing on trial to conversion. I, my, I don't I don't think about onboarding first. Right. They like to talk about onboarding. They like to talk about leads. Let's get this trial to customer conversion on point. Now we can start to say, since this is working in that trial conversion, that now informs us what to put on the front end. Right. The back end is always going to be specific to that that product. And usually it's it's inside of software and events and all of that. So that's usually not as much of a a big KPI unless they have major retention issues. But even that starts you can see symptoms of that in the trial conversion. (laughs) You know, so these are for me. Now, again, everybody, word of caution. Do not try this at home. Okay, there are years of experience behind me that allows me to focus on those areas. All other areas of the business and KPIs are important. But again, I've got to come in, Marquis, and I've got to prove the effectiveness as immediate as possible. So when you talk about timeline, I like to get a result within the first 30 to 60 days, man. And that okay. result is agreed upon. Sometimes it's revenue, man. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. revenue. Sometimes it's just, okay, I now have a repeatable system in place because they may know once I get this repeatable system in place, I can then show my investors we're doing things the same way and we have a way of closing and that enables them to get more money. So mm-hmm. I always talk with them and see what is the target? What's the most important thing for you? Because I'm flexible. I can, I can do a lot. But what's the most important thing for you that's what we focus on. That's where all our KPIs are built around.
0: That's good. And and how are you presenting this information? Like, obviously, you need to train the customers yep. in what you've done. You know, I'm, I'm assuming at the end of the 30, 60 days is some kind of I don't, video walkthrough or some kind of report Absolutely. that you're that you're showing them yep. and you're aligning that to the original goals. Talk through that a little bit. And then I have one Man. more quick question and, then, and yep. I'll give you your day back. But yeah. I'm, I'm so <laughs> it's no, great process.
1: So... Yeah. Yeah. Please. This is great. To your point. Absolutely. It'd be the the relationship. I, I like to tell people this all the time. The relationship is is how it begins is a foreshadowing of how it will end. So mm-hmm. if there's things that you don't feel comfortable talking about, if there's warning signs and you're kind of omitting for the sake of closing the deal, guess what? All you're doing is shifting those issues from the front end to the back end. They're yeah. always heavier on the back end. They're always worse on the back end. It's easier to just deal with everything up front. And when I say everything, expectations, you have to if you don't deal with them properly. So what I like to do is give a timeline. I like to give a timeline of, hey, in the first 30 days, this is what we should see. The next 60 days, this is what we will see. And if it's a 90 day sprint, it's like in 90 days, here's what we'll see. Right. So now yeah. I have my spec. This is what we're working towards. That's my yes, Marquis. So I have to say no to anything that will increase the scope. So many of you who have scope creep, it's because you haven't you haven't strongly enough said yes to what you originally proposed. Your proposal was a yeah, we could do that and maybe some other. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mine is a firm, this is what we're going to do and I have a statement in the proposal that says anything outside of this scope We will log as a parking lot item and reassess once the full scope is completed. Right. So I'm letting you know, this is the only thing that we're doing. Why, Marquis? Because we finish how we start. So I started like that. So at the end, I can go and say, look what we've done together before you were this, this and that. Here's what we promised: X, Y, Z. Sometimes I don't do all of the things that I promise because we find one or two things that's working really well. That's not a bad thing, Marquis. I'm not going to sit up here and try to force it. I say, hey, look, we plan on doing these four things. But look, after these two, look at the lift that you got. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm open and I'm honest about it. People know when you're, you know, when you're trying to, to fluff numbers and trying not to say something. So it serves me extremely well when they can know that that's the transformation. That's the impact. Because my job is to protect the integrity of the automation space. And I can't, I cannot service a client and have them scratching my head like, Hmm, I wonder what automation did for me. No, (laughs) you need to understand clearly and with numbers. So it's not when, when we talk about like, here's what we've done, charts, videos, like tangible data, not my feelings, not my thoughts, not my ideas, these are things that actually took place. You can go into your bank account, see the money. You can go on your website, go into your CRM system, see the leads, see the process.
0: That's beautiful. And I, I just bolded and underlined that. My job is to protect the integrity of the automation space. What a powerful statement, because yes, as we've man. discussed, there are people that will not be as integral as you are are, are showing us that we should be. So absolutely, man. thanks for that. I, I got a burning question, and I know people listening are thinking the same thing. We've been dancing around technology, and I'd love yeah. to know what what is your tech stack? What are your go tos? What are you either using in Automation Bridge every single day, or yeah. these are the recommended tools you're implementing for your customers? Love to know what that looks like and how you're using yeah. it. If you can use a brief summary, yeah, I've
1: I, I have all mature software, so as much so I play around with everything. There's not, a, I was just playing around with a new shortening platform yesterday that has the ability to expire links. And I was like, ooh, and I could tie it to my CRM. This is interesting, right? So I'm always mm-hmm. fiddling, I'm always playing. But when it comes to my business, I stick with tried and true. I don't okay. like to do new companies. I'll play with your software, I'll sign up, but I will not deploy it in my business until you've right. proven that you've got some longevity. So everything that I'll, I'm, I'm about to name, I've been using for years. Nothing I'm 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 about to list I've been using for under 12, 24 months. Nothing, right? So my CRM system of 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 choice of preferences, active campaign, duh, right? I've got the most experience with it. It's the most flexible platform for the type of automations that I set up. So I start there. My form technology, oh man, I and I'm I people who follow me know this. I am a jot form Fan to the fullest. I I I've been like a ten year user of their platform, and it did not used to be as good as it is now. But I can make those forums, Marquee, do anything, anything that I need. There's like every once in a while, come up with something like, hmm, can't do it. But that is my perform form form software of choice. If you see me using something else, it's for a specific use case, and that use case is probably user experience. And I, okay. maybe I want a full screen and I want questions to slide from left to right. Real aesthetic stuff that has nothing to do with functionality. Rare edge case. Most of the forms, everybody, if you go on my website and it's not just a regular lead opt-in, if it's any form of information capture, it's a job form. May not look like it because I style them differently, but it's a job form, right? Next okay. is my new absolutely can't live without probably even more than my CRM system is Airtable. Dude, Okay. Airt- Listen, man. Listen, I found Airtable a few years ago. Oh my goodness, I, I, Marquis, I don't know where I would be without it. Honestly, man. Like a data, I did not realize how powerful a database is once you can easily store and retrieve information from it. The closest I've been was like WordPress,
0: right? It's like
1: okay, I'm putting pages in a database somewhere. In the world, right? Wow. But relational linking, putting information in, retract, oh my goodness, man, it's it's a game changer. So though just those, those three right there, what I say, job form, active campaign, airtable, those three, those three probably operate over 50% of my business. I know wow. everybody's expecting me to be like have a whole library list of tools. And I do have a library list. I use Slack internally for my team. It's, it's my, my my preferred collaboration software. I know you're in Asana. I use ClickUp. I use ClickUp for my project management. And then let me say that my, my payment processing has been pretty stable. I use Thrivecart card for my course sales and, and and everything like that. I'm looking into my, I've got a SaaS model that will be launching. I'm looking at Chargebee, but I can't put my stamp Very of cool. approval on it yet because I haven't used it. I haven't used it, but that's the software that I'm currently using. When it comes to integrations, we do a lot of integration work. That's the bridge in Automation Bridge is the integration work, right. getting the data from one destination to another. People oversimplify that process. No, Mm -hmm. it is, it is work. If anybody's, Oh, just use Zapier. Okay, go ahead. Keep using Zapier. You're it's going to break down. It's going to throw you an error that you can't solve. Some format is not going to match. So you got to get in there and really start doing some, some stuff, but I'm big time user of Zapier got a legacy account with them, but I have to say this, I have to say in the community right now, we are huge upcoming make fans Way okay. harder, way harder to use. Absolutely. But the way that it handles data, man, super mm. powerful. Super powerful. So we that's
0: just that's my- a partnership deal with Make. We've been using IntegraMat really? for a while, switched over. We just signed on as one of their enterprise partners. And what a game-changing tool. Man. So hey, good. Let me let me say this, Marky. Let me full transparency.
1: I just started using it. This okay. year. <laughs> this year. So all my life has been Zapier for the most part. And there's other platforms out there that 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 you, you use. But let me say this. Integral to all of the software that I just mentioned, the one thing that I rely on probably the most as my tried and true, web hooks. When, when okay. whenever whenever in doubt, webhook it out. Like that's what <laughs> that's what I live by. I tell you. <laughs> I can get anything done with a webhook. So that's that's my world, man. And I try I'm proud to list those things off because I've done a good job, an intentional effort of simplifying things. Not for the not just for my sake, but I learned that when your tech stack gets too complex, it's really hard to onboard help. Extremely yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've minimized it. I still have my areas where I can do my ninja stuff in Airtable and make that really does satisfy me. I don't do as much crazy ninja stuff in, in Active Campaign as much because I have someone else kind of managing that for me. So I still have space, you know, to operate nerdy as as I need to. But I am. I, I, I've been a. I'm a recovering digital tool hoarder. You know, I had a whole bunch of stuff in in the shed that I never used. And Were I'm, on the I'm proud. mailing list. What was that?
0: Were you on the app sumo mailing list getting every little app, deal that came you get through? You what I'm saying? I'm recovering, man. I had to unsubscribe years ago. I, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> Me too. I had to. dollars at a time. How can you pass that up you every can. single time? And then you don't you use the can. tools.
1: <laughs> you can't pass it up, Marquis. You literally <laughs> cannot. So, yep, I unsubscribe. I don't look at it until somebody says, hey, Chris, this is a tool you're looking at. It's a deal on AppSumo. Yes. So, yes, ma'am, now, that's, that's my stack. Now, what I deploy for clients, mm-hmm. again, is relative to their to their current strategy and their team. Some of my clients are using HubSpot. I'm versed, well-versed in HubSpot, but not proficient. Okay. I never claim it. So what I would do is I would grab somebody who's good in HubSpot. And then they mm-hmm. would do it some of my clients use klaviyo yeah. i you know i could care less about klaviyo i do not like how their system is set up however automation is automation i can map out what needs to be built have somebody build it i'm good enough to qa it right okay mm-hmm. yeah that should work you're good so i've i can work with technology by not touching it right, right. other technologies outside of my stack but yeah man those are those are the tried and trues now my my website is on wordpress and that's a whole nother stack, right? Yeah. What I'm using for my LMS, how that filters back to my CRM system and how I use personalization in my landing pages and as a whole. Huh.
0: <laughs> that, that I would love you to know. see your flow charts of all. I would love to see it. Man, I've just, got them for days. Of course, <laughs> of course you do. Your engineer mind come together with automation. Of course you do. Oh man. Uh, yes. Chris, one last question for you. Where's automation bridge going you know think five years in the future yes.
1: what's the vision what's next for you yeah so automation bridge the the five-year goal here and i'm so glad you asked this because i i actually just got out of this vision planning session with my wife and, and my mastermind but it's right. really capitalizing on the bridge part what are you, as a business owner you cannot plug your ears and close your eyes to the market they it moves too much they, it talks too much. And if you yeah. get to the point where you just like, I know it, I know it, I know it, you're going to miss it, man. And as great as I am as an automation ninja, I can do anything with automation, global or native. It doesn't matter to me. What I'm seeing is that technology has allowed, has enabled companies to go online. COVID was a big part of this too, right? And they go yeah. online, but now they're doing things that they see other people do, but don't know how to do it. What am I saying? They don't know how to handle their data. They, mm. they really are mismanaging it. They need their data to be in sync with their other platforms. They have no clue. They make a get data one place. They can't wow. get it out or they can't keep it sync. They can't get it to multiple places. There's all kind of basic things that I've been doing for years that I, I just never thought of. But being in tune with the market, this is a huge pain point, man. Huge pain point. So it's forcing me. It's forcing, and and I'll gladly take it to really embody the bridge and help enable these companies in their marketing and sales processes, make sure that their data gets to the proper destinations in the correct format, and stay synced up. Because there's no automation without information. The higher quality information, the more robust and more powerful the automation is going to be. So I'm kind of taking a step back, right? I want to be able to automate. Can't automate without... The information. So now mm-hmm. how do we make sure the information gets to where it needs to get to? It's an exciting problem to solve, man. Nerdy and techy, yes, but that's what we're here for.
0: You know, now they don't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. All right. Chris L. Davis, automationbridge.com. Man, I had so much fun. I I don't think I've laughed (laughs) as much as I laughed on this podcast episode. I had so much fun, man. Where can people get in touch with you? Obviously, you have resources you can share. They can learn more about Automation Bridge going to the website. Are there any other spots? Where are you hanging on online these days? Yeah, I'm primarily on LinkedIn. If you want to connect with me, I,
1: this is Marquis, this is how we're connected. If you share great content like Marquis does do me a favor and connect with me because I get to read your LinkedIn posts. I'm, I'm proud of my LinkedIn network. I don't accept everyone, but the people that I accept really do keep me informed and keep me up to date. That's the best place. Automationbridgeofcourse.com. If I do have a five point automation checklist, for the agencies, even founders. Just if you need something to start wrapping your head around it, like, okay, you know, I tell people all the time, print it out, just keep it in front of you. Every time you do an automation, just run through this five-point checklist. You can get that. It's a special link I, I, I've created for just this podcast. It's automationbridge.com systems we trust. Automationbridge.com forward slash systems we trust. So you can go there and get that get that download as well.
0: Perfect. We'll be sure to get that in the show notes. Thanks for doing that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No problem, uh, man. This was so good. I so appreciate your time, even like staying longer just to, you know, answer all my questions. There's so much more I didn't, you know, ask, <laughs> but that's okay. We can do that another time. And yeah. listeners, I hope you were taking notes. I know that I'm going to have to fill this back on, on my next walk or my workout just to make sure I got absolutely everything that Chris had to share today. So thanks so much for bringing your expertise. Man, absolutely, Chris. man. No uh, problem. Sharing, no holds barred. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Yes, yes, sir. Thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. Head over to thinkditto.com to learn more about how the team at Ditto can help your business scale by implementing the systems and processes needed to get you there.